you turn back to Ephesians chapter 4, um, actually, before we do that, maybe you might want to turn with me to Psalm 55. Um, Psalm 55. So you can have your finger in Ephesians 4. I know there's a lot going on and maybe you're studying a lot and reading a lot, but keep, keep your, your fingers in the Psalms. Um, we're making an emphasis on the Proverbs right now, but uh, the, the Psalms are so rich and, and just such, such a blessing. And um, they're, they're kind of like little snacks, little treats that you, you know, you, you have those in between the meals. Um, except the little treats in between the meals are like meals of, of themselves, right? And especially when it's, when it's God's word. But um, Psalm 55 uh, starts with this. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide thyself from my supplication. Give heed to me and answer me. See if this resonates with you at all. I am restless in my complaint and am surely distracted because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked. For they bring down trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Behold, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hasten to place, uh, to a place of refuge from the stormy wind and the tempest. Don't we desire to just get away and escape? Verse 9, confuse, O Lord. Divide their tongues, for I have seen the violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around her upon her walls, and iniquity and mischief are in her midst. Destruction is in her midst. Oppression and deceit do not, do not depart from her streets. It's almost as though the Psalms was written while watching the, the nightly news of our, of our cities. Verse 12, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it, nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, and my familiar friend, who had sweet fellowship together, walked in the house of God, in the throne, let death Come deceitfully upon them. Let them go down alive to Sheol, for evil is in the dwelling in their midst. How many times do we have to be warned? We, we, we studied through Revelation. One of the themes in Revelation constantly was the deception, the false teachers, the, the false prophets, the, the, the lies. Um, we're constantly warm throughout the scriptures. It's almost like we, we live like we haven't been warned. We've been warned about false teaching. We're warned about the wicked enemy. We're warned about the evil way of the world. We're warned about a deluding spirit within the world. The deceptions, the craftery, the trickery, not only from false teachers, false churches, false prophets, churches, even from friends, as mentioned in Psalm 55. It's like all around us, there's 
deceit and deception. And the sad thing is, it comes from those that would then call themselves believers. That's the scary part, right? We, we know that sinners sin. That, that's not a shocker. We know that those who don't, comp uh, don't you know, call themselves Christians, well, yeah, they should be in opposition. What we're constantly warned about is, is from within which means we have to be on guard, right? Again, like the Berean, study to see if it's still. But in this case, we, we see that we, we have a pathway to guard against this. We're not just thrown out to the wolves. We, we, we have a pathway. Um, what is that pathway? Well, imagine if there were, imagine if there were a minefield. Right. Literally that, you know, you'd go and you'd park your car and you have, you know, about a mile to your house. Right. And, and, and to get to your house within that mile, there's well, there was mines that were secretly, you know, laid there and you would have to navigate that field or die. I mean, that's, you know, pretty much the, the deal. But what if you had a map? What if somebody would give you a map and look, it's pretty easy. Just follow the map. Follow the map and you live. Follow the map and you live with joy. Follow the map and it's actually no big deal. What would you do? You, would you have the map? Would you memorize the map? Would you have bigger, larger forms of the map? I mean, you couldn't have enough of that map, right? You, you know, in football now and even in baseball, they have, you know, the little wristbands. And the wristbands aren't wristbands anymore. They're the plays. They're the map. Last night I was at a, a a youth football, and you know the you know traditionally you you have your team's colors and you you know you match the colors and I noticed that on our team which was uh, royal blue and white that a lot of the kids had red wristbands. It's like I mean aside from the clashing, it's like what's with the red wristbands? You know and they're like you know out of. 20 kids, you know, 25 kids or like seven kids with red wristbands because they don't know their right from their left. So the red wristband reminds them red is right. Well, you do what you got to do, right? If there were a red wristband that would keep you out of harm's way, you, you would wear the red wristband. Um, by the way, my brother, who also teaches and coaches high school baseball, said he has a similar problem with the high school students, too, which is absolutely insane. But so here's the deal. We, we have a map through the minefield. It, it's called the word of God. And, and, and yet there's look, there's rules to studying and, quote unquote, interpreting the rules of God. There's basic grammar. There's, there's basic structure. And, and so we, we have to, again, and I say this and I'll say it over and over and over again. This is God's word. It's not man's word. It's God's word. So, so it has the authority. It has the accuracy. It has the inerrancy. It has the truth, the veracity. So this is the right map. This is the only map. This is the tried and true, tried and true, uh, 
um, to be to be remembered and followed map. And so the, the this map is given by the author, by the one who who knows where everything is. He's written the map and the author is directing the audience. And so when we talk about things like doctrine or theology, these aren't just things that, you know, eggheads, you know, sit and like to, you know, want to argue and debate and talk about. No, look, what should drive my theology is God's words. So the truth is I shouldn't have theology. I shouldn't have doctrine. It should just be a, a repeating of what, what God's word says. And so my theology then is that I submit to God's word. And so I want to follow this map. I want to follow this map that, that leads my path, that leads the way uh, that I walk. So with the map, tells me which way to go directionally. I follow it. But here's the problem. I just want to park my car and go straight to the house. I want to go straight. You know what? Maybe I cannot run this thing. Maybe I can tippy toe past it. Maybe I can get by on my, my, my own savviness. You know what? I've used the map a few times. Maybe I don't need the map anymore. I think I got I think I got it <laughs> again resist put away your winging it rights you have none and so we're gonna look at then and try to answer that question well how do we live how do we navigate um, one of the things is the way we approach the word is is practical. It's not just a theological exercise for debate. God has given us his word so that we know how we shall then live. And so we're going to look in, in Ephesians 4 and we're going to take some time to kind of examine and dissect these different elements. And um, the first thing we want to do is just kind of even a little intro to this chapter. The, our first little intro is this I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner, manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. There is so much right there. And so that's where we're going to begin. That's where we're going to start. And we're going to kind of look at these first points of emphasis, which is how, how we're going to walk, what is the manner, and then the calling. These three points of emphasis in verse 1, how we walk, what the manner is, and what the calling is. And so first, as we look at Ephesians 4, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you. Entreat you. Well, what is that word, entreat? Have you used it lately? No, we don't really talk like that. And the word entreat, though, has has significant meaning. It has, it has a different meaning than other types of exhortations. There's, there's exhortations where, where, you know, you're yelled at, right? You're barked at, you're commanded. Well, this isn't that kind of exhortation. Uh, nobody's in trouble here. Um, it, it's a positive admonishment. The idea of begging or, or in treatment is like begging. Okay, I, I'm begging you. I'm begging you to do it this way. 
Do you see the difference? There's a difference. You know what? Don't, don't cross the street without looking both ways. Well, why? Well, I don't want you to die. Now I can yell at you, don't cross that street. You cross that street, you know, and you give the eyes of the point. Or there's, I'm begging you. I'm, I'm begging you, do not cross that street. It, it, it's a request and an urging for your benefit to protect you. That, that's what this is. That, that, that's what's being said here. And it's funny that this week I was listening, you know, the NFL is getting ready to start their football. And there's a big change in the NFL. One of the things in sports, which was very historical, was a lot of your old sports teams were led by former military guys. Ergo, the coach treated the team like military guys. So as Shane can attest, there was a lot of coddling and sweetness and back rubs and soft tears, a lot of tears, right? No, there was a lot of yelling, point, finger pointing, barking, commanding. We're not friends. We're not here to do anything but to get the job done. Well, the NFL, the National Football League with all these big, strong, buff, manly guys, they're making this massive transition. And one of the reporters said, he's like, it's crazy. I'm going to all these practices. There's no yelling anymore. And it's like, and it's hard because we don't even know how to report what's going on. We used to be able to hear the coaches yelling at the guy. And now he goes up to him and very nicely and gently, he just, he just teaches him and instructs him. You know what? This is what you need to do. Put your foot here, get down, get a little center. And they just, they just teach him now. And so this is what's happening. And it's important for us to know this because the, the attack on Christianity is, oh, Christians, it's just a bunch of rules. God is authoritarian. He doesn't want us to have any fun. No, he's begging you to follow his word so that you don't die. He's begging you to do it this way. I, as we talked last week, I, as your father, I know better. Just trust me. Trust me on this. When you have my friends, the world is, it looks like so much fun on a, on a you know, video. Just trust me. I'm begging you. And so here's Paul. Remember, Paul is the prisoner of the Lord. If, if you just came in today and today's your first day studying Ephesians, you're like, what's this prisoner of the Lord thing? Remember, Paul is a willing bondservant. We think of, again, of that phrase, sir, bondservant or slave. I mean, we can't use the phrase slave anymore, right? It's just too, too negative, too bad. Or, you know, just too, too, you know, it just, you know, conjures up racist ideas and stuff. No, this idea of bond servant is a willing slave. I have a master. My master is God. He is the master of the universe. I follow him. I am so devoted to follow him. I am a slave to him. I am a servant to his will, his calling. What is thy bidding master? And so Paul here reaffirms this idea that he's a bondservant. He's a prisoner. Remember in Romans, you are no longer slaves of unrighteousness. You're slaves of righteousness. This morning, 
um, you know, talking to, to, to David and he's talking about being born again. And we, we talk about that phrase all the time here. Born again. I'm dead to that old dude. And now I'm alive. I'm reborn. I'm born again. Um, Paul is a born again bond servant. He's a prisoner of the Lord. So that means whatever what he does is is the Lord's bidding and and in entreating. So he doesn't take on his personal personification here. What's Paul's personal personification? Do you remember? Paul was a leader of the Jews. And when you didn't believe what his faith believed and you taught something else, you know what Paul did? He killed you. Literally. He got the boys together and they got their stones and their rocks and they killed you. This is not a passive guy. This is a transformed man who is born again. And, and now I'm no longer that guy. I'm a prisoner of the Lord and I'm begging you. I'm, I'm, I'm begging you from the, from, I'm urging you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And so we have heard the word, we've read the word, we've studied the world word, and now we need to learn how to apply it. Turn with me to, to James, James chapter one. Um, James chapter one, starting at verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. You can ask any coach. You can ask any boss. I know they heard it. I told them what to do. I said it out loud. I said it to their face. I looked them eyeball to eyeball. I said it three times. No boss or coach is interested in you confirming that you heard it. What do they want? They want you to do it. They, they, they just, just do what I said to do. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he had immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. How silly is that? But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of God is perfect. It's perfect. Listen, all these extra books that we read are, are we, we, we run the, 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 the risk, and it's the same thing what, what I do here, is we're, we're taking God's word, we're trying to exposition, explain what it's saying. We got to be very, very careful, though, that what we, we're not doing is sending people on the wrong path. Sending people to where they, they evaluate the word and go, well, this isn't good enough. This isn't the perfect law. We need, a, we need something extra, a new explanation. I mean, it's 2022 for Pete's sake. It's not the 1800s. It's not, you know, AD 1. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, having become forgetful here, 
not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This should be one of your prayers. Lord, please help me not to be a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. Do you notice the, the emphasis? Effectual. There's effect to the doing. You do it well. You, again, the, the second critique of a, of a boss or a coach, they're, yeah, they're doing it, but they're doing it sloppy or wrong or half-hearted. I want, I want the effect to be great, to be right. This man shall be blessed in what he does. So, so this, this entreatment then is an entreatment to, to apply. We have to apply. And so the first point of emphasis here is, is walking. Walking is the practical application of the applying of God's word. And it's used in this form of, of walk. So I'm begging you to walk. Well, what does walk mean? We'll just go? Just no. It's, it's a picture. It's an expression. It's our daily conduct. It's, it's, how we, it's how we live life, right? That old sage and uh, brilliant philosopher, Miley Cyrus. It's about the climb, right? The climb. Well, the climb then is a picture of the journey. Every little step. Every little slip, every little trial, every little obstacle, every little conquering. It, it's, it's, it's not just getting to the, to, the, to the peak. It's all about the journey itself. It's all about the climb. And so we're to walk, we're to conduct our daily life with movement. Now, this is important because a lot of people think that, you know, you can just magically like just do nothing. We're saved by grace. It's a free gift from God. I don't have to do anything. No, you don't have to do anything to get saved. True. But, but you have to live life. There's, there's exhortations towards obedience. And so you don't just sit in your room curled up in a little ball and say, I'm exiting life. This is the pure, holy life of, of being separate from everybody. They used to do that. That's why the monks would go off to, to Africa, find themselves a, a place all alone and just be alone. They thought that was living a holy life. No, you're, you're supposed to live. You're supposed to walk. You're supposed to be in motion. Well, that's kind of hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard navigating through this world. And so, ready action. Aristotle. Put it this way, the, the, and you guys have all heard this, the sum of the parts, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, right? The sum of the parts is greater than the whole. So the, the, we, we think of a car, right? And a car has a bunch of little parts. There's all these little parts. There's, you know, and you need all the parts. All the parts are, are vital and important. And the car's put together. And it's awesome. It's great. But the process is the pieces. So if you were to build a car, you know, it's, it's, this is how life is. You, you buy the car, you build the car, you fix the car, you polish the car, you fix it again. 
Well, that process, that journey, that's the walking. That's the living. Now, the beauty is we, we don't do this by ourselves. We, we've got the map. We, we, we've got the map to the minefield. Psalm 119 says it this way. Thy word is a lamp unto thy feet. God's word is, is our lamp. Well, again, the, the lamp leads us through darkness. Psalm 119, uh, beginning at verse 10, go ahead and start at 102. I have not turned aside from thine ordinances, for thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. God's word is, is not just getting you through the minefield. It's not just turning a light on darkness. This is, this is sweet. This, this, this is good. This, this. We hear this phrase all the time. Oh, you know, all this, the sinners are having fun sinning. Is sin fun? Is it? Ask people. Listen to testimonies that lived the fun. It's not that fun. There, there were temporary uh, satisfactions in that, but, but the, the whole of it, they don't like it. They're not glad they did it. There's ramifications to the things they did. You know what's sweet? God's word, following God's word, being on his path. From thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. We have to get to the point where we hate the false way. We're, we're, we still dance with it a little bit, right? We still kind of think, you know, getting through the minefield without the map is kind of fun. Can you do it sometimes? Yeah, you can. But you know what? Sometimes you, you get clipped. You know what? Hate the false way. Hate that. Learn to have a, a, a passion for hating sin, hating wickedness, hating evil, hating whatever's not God's way. Whatever's not God's way, I hate that. So I hate gossip. I hate pride. I hate unkindness. I hate ungentle. See, these are the things that God doesn't like. Are we in line with God so that we're, we're not kind to each other? That should hurt our souls. You know what? I handled that wrong. I'm not glad about it. I hate that about myself. I'm going to apologize, ask for forgiveness and repent. Um, verse 105, Thy word is the lamp unto my feet and the light to my path. The light to my path. I have sworn and will confirm it that I will keep thy righteous ordinances. Again, not a forgetful hearer, an effectual doer. I keep them. I hear them. I keep them. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to, to my word. God's word will, will bring you back to life. It'll restore you. It'll correct you. Are, are we going to have bad patches? Are we going to have bad moments? Yeah, unfortunately, we, we will. But God's word will, will bring us back. It'll get us back on track. Just like a good coach, just like a good boss gets us back on track. 
You know, they can go, a boss can go away, right? You know, the, the foreman goes away, he lays it out, gives, the, here's the directions, here's the instructions, goes away and comes back and goes, oh man, what the heck is this? Okay, let's get you back. Let's get you back on track. Let's get you back on the right path. And so we have these sweet instructions that help us to gain understanding. Why? So that we can avoid not only what's false, but let's go back to the beginning. We need to evolve. We, we, we need to avoid the deception. We need to avoid the deception because the minefield is covered. They're not just there on top where everybody can see it. Or like in the movies, it's like, oh, well, you know, where there's a little bump. We know there was a, you know, the, the mine, or there's a little stake there, you know. It's like, no, there's no, it, it, this is hidden and deceptive. And it's all around you. So we have to be on guard. The, the light directs our paths. The light is God's word, but we have to perform. We have to keep it. Galatians 5. Galatians 5 says, says it this way. It's a great picture of, well, what is this walk? What is this way of, of life that we're supposed to live? Galatians 5.16. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit. So again, our direction is the spiritual direction. It's not a, a legalistic one. We don't do these things because of laws, right? When we get married, there's not like this, here are these five, you know, here's these 10 things that you have to do for marriage. You know, uh, be loving, be sweet, be kind, be gentle. It's like, you don't do that just because like there's a, a, a list. It's like, well, when I mow the lawn, that's me being sweet. So check I did it. No, be sweet. <laughs> That's an emotional thing, right? That's a gentleness thing. Um, be kind. Well, I told you what you did was wrong. I'm right about that. So just listen to me. And even though I yelled at you like a, you know, like a Marine drill sergeant, but I'm right. So just listen. No, that's, that's not what walking by the Spirit means. We have to do this spiritually. Well, what does that look like? And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. There's a, there's a competition. Your flesh, that's you in the natural. And then there's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that guides you and directs you and God's Word that you know that's there and all you have to do is live it, but it's, it's hard to live it. And so we're guided by the Spirit to practically actually live this. Verse 17, the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, here are the deeds of the flesh. And they're evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and all the things like this, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We're commanded not to live this way. Now, I know... 
what we're usually drawn to. We're really drawn to, well, I'm not an idolater. I don't do sorcery. I'm not a carouser, so I'm good. You just kind of pick the ones that, you know, of course you fly right over the, yeah, you create a lot of strife. Yeah, so you have some outbursts of anger. Who doesn't? You know, oh, so you're envious, you're covetous, right? That's part of being envious. That means you're, you're not satisfied with what you have. You covet thy neighbors, whatever. Well, we won't count that, even though it's right here. But, 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 verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is you're called to love. You're called to joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is how you are supposed to walk. This is God's blueprint for how then we shall live. This is how we're to walk. Walk in love. And again, you go back to 1 Corinthians and have a clear understanding of what love is. Love is patience, love is kind, does not seek its own, does not keep account of wrong suffering, is not arrogant, does not brag, right? Bears all, endures all, hopes and all. Uh, that's what love is. Do you realize that in your home, the, 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 the countenance of your home, the peace, the joy in your home, you have a role in that? Oh, my home is not like that. Then you change that then you become the one who walks in joy. What are you doing to walk in joy? Um, being that peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? Um, well, how does this sound? You know what? You probably have a, a home that's more joyful and loving if you are being patient and kind and good. Isn't that crazy how that kind of works together? Shocking. It's amazing. When how are we supposed to get our arms wrapped around this? Well, let's look at something like have control of yourself, of your attitude, of your mouth, of your anger, of your whatever, right? Boy, just really seems to come together nicely, doesn't it? Um, if we verse 25 if we live by the spirit let us also walk by the spirit we must do we must do proverbs 13:20 talks about walking with the wise if you walk side by side with the wise then you will become wise psalm 1 says blessed is the man who does not walk in the path of the wicked don't, don't walk with the unwise. Don't walk with the fools. Don't walk with the wicked. Why? Because bad company corrupts good morals. No, I'm, I'm evangelizing to them. Are you? Or are those friends becoming more like you or are you becoming more like them? Um, that's a tricky one, right? Because we do want to evangelize people. We do want to be a light in a dark world. Um, but the scriptures are clear. 1 Corinthians 15.33, don't be deceived. Don't be tricked into thinking that all this bad company is a good thing for your soul. Why? Proverbs 23.7, because so a man thinketh, the company he keeps, 
that, that creates bad morals, the fools that he walks with. So a man thinketh, he liveth, he walketh. Um, well, a second emphasis is back to Ephesians 4 is where Paul's begging us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Well, in a manner. Well, what manner? What's this manner? Well, it's the way you walk. It's the fashion. It's the kind of the, the mode in which you walk, right? It's your attitude. We, we all walk a certain way. We all have a certain style, a certain, you know, I don't know if panache is the right way to describe it. I don't think many of us have that, but um, yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if it was your car, it's like, well, what's your ride? You know, it's like your ride says a lot about you, right? You got this little, this little tiny little car, you know, no roof, you know, and if you're a dude, then maybe you have a Mini Cooper. See, that doesn't seem right. Um, big truck, right? You got a big old truck. And so your, your ride says a lot about like who you are. Well, this idea is it, it's the manner, the manner in which now we're talking is how you walk, how you're going to walk. It's an amazing thing to me when I think about this. I think about, well, first I think of, you know, actors, right? I mean, that's what actors do. They act like someone else. Some of these actors will be like, well, you know, I'm playing this role. You know, I'm a, a cowboy from the South and, you know, my name's Butch. And so, you know, it's like you only call me Butch for the next four months. I'm Butch. You know, they, you know and they're, they're like they embody the personhood of, of who their character is. Right. Or they're these, you know, method actors. You know, they really get into it. You know, and they're, you know, most actors are really just playing themselves in different movies. Right. But then you get these method actors and it's like, oh, wow, that guy was like, you know, had this accent in one movie and was a rich aristocrat. And had in this movie, he was like a, a poor guy and could barely spell his name in the sand with a stick. It's like this guy really gets into it. It's amazing how like actors can can fake it. Um, you know, you can go to any high school campus. Right. And you're going to see these groups, the brains, the preppies the rockers, the emos, right? The hoodlums, the jocks. How come every high school in the history of mankind has the same deal? Well, because the kids, you know, it's like, well, who am I? Which group am I in? And they, they find a group. And then you know what they do? They fake like they belong to that group. And they pick up the lingo and the clothes. And it's like, well, this is, you know, I'm part of this group. And so I, I, I got to wear those, those clothes now. You know, and it's funny to me. It's like, you know, uh, you know, the wearing all black thing and acting a little weird. You know, that's not new. We've been there before. Uh, they give it a new name, you know, or, or, you know, nowadays you'll see like the green hair, the blue hair. And it's like, you're not being unique. I mean, you know, every school has these characters and uh, you're just following a manner. You're following a pattern. In sales, the sales world, they'll, they'll say things like, well, you're not quite there yet and you don't really understand fully what you're doing. Just, just fake it till you make it. Just fake it till you make it. Um, it's funny how we can do that in every form of society and mankind. But as Christians, we, we struggle with just, just, just finding our place 
in this walking manner. And I'm not talking about pretending. That's not what I'm talking about. Because um, we're working through this and we're not trying to be fake Christians, right? That, that's, that's not the deal. But as Ephesians 3, 6 says, it says, look, you are now as Gentiles. Because remember, the Jews would have this down. They're wearing the Jew clothes. They got the Jew hair. They got the Jew food, right? They've got it down. It's like, well, I'm a Gentile now. Oh, man, I don't have the, sheesh, I don't, I don't have the little lock thing going. I don't have the Jewish clothes and the kosher food deal. It's like, I don't even know what the kosher food deal is. I don't know what these crazy guys are eating. And so it's like, okay, well, I, I've got to like find my place in here. And it's like, look, as this new body of believers, you're, look, you're now a fellow heir. You're a fellow member of the body. You're a fellow partaker of the, of the promise. You've been, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you've been saved by grace through faith. It, it, it's a gift. So you don't have to like pretend to be any sort of type of person. We, we just need you like walking in a manner worthy of, of this. So here's how I want you to compartmentalize this. I want you to, to walk in a manner that is worthy of somebody who, whose life was saved. I, I want you to act as though you were adopted. I want you to live like you have an inheritance. See, we don't have to like fake that we just have to like fully embrace and understand it so you know what when when i think of of adoption when i think of the 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 spirit of adoption when i think of how how romans lays that out right so let's go to romans romans chapter eight and it's like look so here's how here's the manner i want you to to live by i want you to live like this has happened to you you know why because this is what's happened to you therefore there's no no condemnation for those who are in christ first of all let's start with this you're now in christ you're not condemned for your sin there's no condemnation in christ let's get that out of the way okay for the law of the spirit of Christ, uh, spirit of life in Christ has set you free. You're set free from the law of sin and death. For what law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. You, you, you can't fake it. You can't be a legalist and follow all the rules and laws. Let's be perfectly clear here. The only way that God could provide salvation and atonement for sin was by sending his son. Okay. In this, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, set the things on the spirit for the mind set on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace because the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward men or toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. 
But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if, and if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells in you. So, brethren, we are under obligation. So, so the manner, our, we, we have to set our, set our minds right. We're under an obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. This is not about rules and regulation and law. For if you're living according to that flesh, then you'll die. Because you'll break the law, you'll die. But if you live by the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body. You will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you, are not, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. So the mindset of the way we walk, the mindset of the manner isn't like the high school kid. I just want to be popular. I just want to find a group to be, belong with. The mindset is I was an orphan. We, I was orphaned. I had no parents. I had no father. No father, no parents, no inheritance, no promise. I, I, I was orphaned. I'm, I'm a child on my own, on the streets. And what God says, look, I need you to understand that you, you don't live according to laws, but you live according to the spirit of adoption as my son. As a son, I have adopted you. And you are now a fellow heir, an heir of God. Well, that's, that's our response, right? Sweet. So I don't need you to act like a category. I need you to act like somebody who's been adopted. Act like that. Act like Colossians 1.13, someone who's been saved from the dominion of darkness. Act like somebody who, if you fell in the, in the Cedar River, if it was automatic death just by following in and somebody reached in and pulled you out, act like somebody saved you from that because that's what God did from saving you from the pit of hell, from eternal destruction that we all deserve, every single one of us. Act like it. Act like you have really been born again. See, Nicodemus didn't get this. When, when, when Nicodemus, the, the learned man, you know, most of the people in the Bible we're reading about can't read and write. Isn't that crazy? Nicodemus could read and write. Nicodemus was, was a scholarly man, a Pharisee, and he goes to Jesus. Listen, I'm hearing all this stuff you're saying. So how do I get saved? And Jesus says, you need to be born again. I was like, well, that's crazy. I'm a grown man. I can't, you want me to be a little baby? Go in my mama's, I mean, this is how Nicodemus thinks. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about a spiritual born again. And so if you're dead to your sin and now alive in Christ, if like a newborn baby, you have a new birth, a new life, you know what? Act like it. 
Act like you've been born again. Act like you've gotten a second chance, a new beginning. You're a new creature in Christ. That's the manner that we're called to live by. Act like that. And so, again, what, what are some biblical examples you can jot down? You know, it's like Romans 12. Here's a whole list of act like this. Act like when we talk about the manner worthy of the calling, well, I'm not sure I know what that is. Well, Romans 12, well, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Don't lag behind in diligent. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Re rejoice in hope. Uh, preserving in tri uh, tribulation. Be devoted to prayer, prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and bless um, and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in your mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's an example of how to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Christian conduct. Colossians 3 puts it in a different way. Put this on and put this off. Kind of like our Galatians, the, 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 the fruit of the spirit and the deeds of the flesh. We have our, our lists and, and, and ways in which God clearly lays out for this, for us. This is how we're supposed to do it. This is the manner in which he means. You know, Ephesians 6, we're going to talk about, well, how do we navigate this spiritual warfare? Well, put your armor on. Yeah. How do I navigate a marriage? Well, read Ephesians 5. This is how marriage works. Um, we have examples. We have examples. Um, we just need to understand who who our daddy is we need to understand what our our map is and then we need to get to it and be effectual doers of it practically apply it to our lives it's not easy to do this think it's easy not to pay back evil for evil i mean that that's for some for some of us for some of us who speak for some of us who are standing up in front of everybody right now um yeah that's a struggle you hurt me uh, i don't want to hurt you less than 10 times more than what you've already hurt me you want to touch my family that's my prayer I, i'm dead serious my my prayer to the lord lord the Bible tells us that he is not going to give us a temptation beyond what we can handle. Here's my prayer, Lord. Let's be perfectly straight here. If this happens, I can't handle it. So please don't let that hand, don't, te don't tempt me, don't test me. I don't want to get anywhere near there because I don't think there's any way in the world I could handle that. Please, please don't take me there because the vengeance that would need to be mine, I had to stop watching OJ, not because of the whole 
whatever it is, I kept seeing the Goldman's family there. And I kept having these pictures of me being, you know, Ron Goldman's dad and climbing over anybody and everybody to get to OJ. Because I, I, I'm not waiting for justice. It's going to happen right here, right now. Vengeance is mine. And God has a different plan. And we have to trust that, you know, somebody does something to you in business, a client doesn't pay you, breaks a contract. Those aren't easy things, are they? Because that affects you and your whole family. And that, that, that's real life stuff, real life stuff. Um, and so we're given examples here in the scripture. We're given examples of how we live together. Well, the third emphasis is of the calling. And, and the, the calling is, embodies the way we walk and the manner in which we live to um, live by. And, and so it becomes kind of a, a, another point of emphasis. Paul is this prisoner of the Lord. He's begging, begging the church in Ephesus. He's begging us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. We have a calling. We have a calling. We weren't just saved just to be saved. A calling can be defined as a, a summons. You know, a summons is a, is a court order. It's, it's a legal court order to, you know what, when, when the court calls you, you better show up. There will be a financial penalty or jail time, right? There's also mission. There's callings that are missions. You know, we understand what a mission, I'm on a mission. I'm, I'm, I have a, a, a ministry. Um, I have a purpose, a directive to go do something overseas. Um, sometimes that's a calling. You know, we had a, you know, someone who, who was a midwife in the Philippines and trained other gals to be midwives. That, that's, a, that's a calling. That's a mission. We're also part of the calling is, is a duty. Listen, we're saved by grace. We're, we're, God freely bestowed his love upon us just like any father does a child. But there's an obligation as a child. The Proverbs talk about there's nothing more wicked than a son who doesn't obey and follow his father. There's nothing more shameful to the father and the son. And, and, and so there, there's a duty and an obligation, not that the son is trying to earn the love of the father. He already has it. He already has the love. But there's an obligation. There's an obligation. This calling that, that we have, it's, you know, we, we just had a major event, right? With um, Queen Elizabeth died. The Queen of England is dead. And now there's a king in England. And so here's this, this king and you know, we've grown up with Charles as a king. And, you know, if you're not from England, you kind of don't know all there is to know about the monarchy and how this all works. It's like, who is this joker? He's just like some guy that is going to be the king someday. And what does he do? You know, it's like he didn't earn anything. And, you know, I was curious this week. And it's like, yeah, so, well, he's old now, too. So who's going to be the next king? So, you know, Google, right? And it's like, oh, that guy, William. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that actually really he's going to be king pretty soon. And probably until we die, he'll be the king unless he has a unfortunate passing. But it's like, well, what happens if he goes? Well, then who's the next? And oh, wow, his wife, Kate, 
That girl, Kate, I remember that girl getting married. She's going to be the queen. Huh. Wait, is she going to be the queen who can be on the throne? No, she can't be the queen who's going to be on the... Well, then who's going to... You know, so you get in this whole thing. It's like... And the whole picture, you got this whole monarchy, and they're worth hundreds of millions, and they don't do anything. They don't rule anything. They don't... It's like... They didn't earn it. They were just born that way. It's that little cute little kid. He's going to be the king of England someday. Didn't earn it. But see, we, 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 we have a different calling than that. And it falls under that spirit of adoption. And it falls under that understanding that we're, we're not condemned in Christ anymore. So what does that mean? That means that we're not imprisoned in condemnation. No, we have life. And it goes right back to the beginning of, so, so we live the way we walk, the way we go emotion is with this excitement and freedom. My, my, as, the, as the hymn says, my chains fell off, my heart set free. How can it be? Well, then my wonder and awe and amazement gives me joy and power and strength and excitement. And so this calling then isn't just like a duty. It's not just a summons. It, it, it's it's a, an, an outflowing from the heart of gratitude as being that, that adopted child. And so it's a better, it's a better invitation than the king. It's a better duty than the king. It's an amazing, an amazing gift. What's our calling? I was reminded of Robert Frost and you know a lot of these famous quotes or things that you've heard maybe you've heard for so long it's like well you know you only really quote like maybe a little part of it and maybe that gets a little misinterpreted and stuff and so I, I kind of went back and read the whole thing and so here's Robert Frost right it's the the you know the the road less traveled Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler long as I stood and looked down as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden back black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on the way. I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Well, this has been an inspiring poem to, to many people, to many entrepreneurs, to many adventurers. And, and I like this poem. But here's the problem. We tend to think that this is, is our calling or our mandate or the way we're supposed to walk or the manner in which we're supposed to walk. And it's not. We're not supposed to take the road less traveled we're not supposed to take the road of adventure or excitement or unknown. We're supposed to follow the map. 
the map is boring. The map is what too direct. The map keeps you alive. The map is good. And here's the lie. And one of the greatest deceptions is that following the rules and the law is boring. It's not. God tells us this is the joy of life. You know what? When we treat each other well, there's joy and blessing in that. There's only misery and regret and pain and tears when we don't do the littlest of things with each other. When, when somebody asks you, oh, can you go get me something? Like, yeah, sure. We'll love to. You feel good, they feel good. So I say, oh, will you go get me that? No, you get it yourself. You get it yourself. Anybody feel good? Nope. Why do we keep doing it? Oh, I want to take the road less traveled. God says, be kind and gentle and have self-control. You know, I can do it a different way. I'll do it my way. It'll be a new brand of Christianity. That's not Christianity. That's deception. That's the evil one wiggling his way into your life. Paul says, you know what? I beg you, walk in a manner. Walk in a way. Live in a way that's worthy. That's worthy of somebody who died for you. He died for you so that you may live for him. Earn it. Earn it. Not in the sense of works righteousness earn. Earn it in the sense of, of reciprocating your love back to God and showing him without a doubt, you know I appreciate, I'm thankful, I'm blessed by what you've done for me, by the way I live and walk in a manner that's worthy of this calling that I do for you. And so... I'm not really out for a new adventure. Scripture says, follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. He will give you the light unto your path. Follow him. Follow him. Don't do it your way. Walk in a way that's worthy of the man or the calling. Let's pray. Lord.